Praise the Lord. We, we sang standing on the promises. And to remain standing in changing times, we must be firmly rooted, planted. And what we're rooted in and planted in must be substantial. Sand will not do. And again, that's why, as I said to the children, that's why I chose the hymns that I chose. And in fact, I miss that. I miss being able to choose the songs that tie into the service. And I'd love to have uh, the opportunity to do that more often. Excuse me. (coughs) The winds of massive change are blowing. All of us see it. I mean, we'd be blind or we'd be lying to say that we didn't. The winds of massive change are blowing. There have been times throughout history when the winds of change have blown like this before, but perhaps not as much. Someone, could you get the door for this young lady out there? The handle's been sticking. (coughs) Excuse me. As I said last way, the best way to respond is to remain solidly planted in God's Word. This is the foundation of Christ's family. This is our foundation, God's Word. It's not human doctrine. It's God's teaching. It's not man-made teaching. It hasn't come out of special teaching institutions that have brought things other than God's Word. It's sad, but many educational institutions have left their foundation. They've left the Word of God. They've been infiltrated with doctrines of demons and false teachings. They've built demonic nations. They call them denominations. Many teach the lie that God's Word is fluid. They teach that God's Word changes with the times. After all, God isn't a big bully. He understands that we change, and so therefore He changes with us. This is what they teach. And that's not exact an exact quote or anything, but that's the idea. And that is a lie. Today I plan to bring a, a message in, about, and from God's Word. And we're going to begin with a passage from Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We're going to read verses 9 through 16, and you'll find that on page 951 if you want to open the actual Bible, the book. Psalm 119 is probably the longest of all the Psalms. Some say it was written by David, but David's name is not on it. And some say that it's got the longest uh, verses and so on and so forth. There's a lot of things that you'll hear about Psalm 119. But one thing that it absolutely does present is our love for God's Word. And I would encourage you, when you get home today, to pull out your Bible or your Bible app and read every single word of Psalm 119, because it will give you a hunger for God's Word if you don't already have it. Now, we're going to start, as I said, in verse 9 and read through verse 16. And uh, these, uh, these headings, Aleph and Beth and so on, these are Greek letters, and they're numbering the stanzas, I suppose, in this song, which we call a psalm. 
How can a young man cleanse his way or with wherewithal? Excuse me. Wherewithal shall a man, a young man, cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. With my whole heart, the psalmist says, he had sought God. <clears throat> Excuse me. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I pray that Almighty God would seat His word in our hearts, and I pray that each of us would get to the place, if we're not already there, that we could actually say that with conviction. I will not forget your word. The passage begins with a simple question. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Is that just for men? Anybody? No, it's for anybody. It's just for young men. No, it's for all of us. Wherewithal shall any of us cleanse our way? And the first thing that we must realize is that the psalmist is asking this rhetorical question because he answers it. He's asking this question of God. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? And the root word is translated wherewithal in the King James Version of the Bible is a word that can ask where or how or why or even when. All of those ideas are embodied in that Hebrew word. Excuse me, I said Greek, I meant Hebrew. It's no wonder that some Bible translations use how can, as we read in the New King James, how can instead of wherewithal. That word can ask wherein or whereby. It can ask wherewith and by what means. So it's no wonder that they will use how can or with what. The English word wherewithal implies resources and ability. With what resources, with what ability can anybody cleanse their way? What's the tools? Where do we find what we need to do what we must do to live our lives for Christ? How can we come to Christ if we didn't have the Word of God? How could we find our way? What can a young man use to cleanse his way of living? What can any of us use to straighten our lives into the way of Christ? One, one, one translation is called a faithful version, uses with what shall a young man cleanse his way? Now, the question's not just for young men, as I said, it's for all of us. While looking at the passage in many Bible versions, I don't remember how many versions I looked at, but many, it's always the same answer. The question changes a little bit, the wording of the question changes, and the wording of the answer changes, but it always amounts to this, God's Word. 
God's Word is where we find the way to guide us onto the path of Christ. God's way. God's Word. God's will. By heeding or obeying or guarding our life with God's Word, we find ourselves led onto the path of righteousness. The answer is always the same. God's Word. God's Word. If we want the answer in changing times to how do we address all of the things that are changing around us, including God's definition of things, where do we find it? In His Word. God's Word enables us to live wholesome lives and walk as followers of Christ. God's Word helps us if we heed and obey and guard our life with His Word. He enables us to be people of integrity, to let our yes be yes and our no be no, as we looked at last week. We do what we say. We say we follow Christ. Are we truly following Christ? The psalmist goes on to state his wholehearted seeking after God and his desire to remain true to God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 10, we read, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Let's pray this, shall we? Can we do that right now? Can we just read it aloud? Oh, with my whole heart I have sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Let's pray this. Let's pray it. Let me not wander from thy commandments. Because what God commands is not a punishment. It's a guidance. His book is our guiding book. It's the one that leads us onto the path of righteousness by Christ, because by faith in Christ, through God's grace, that we are saved. It enables us to be people of integrity. And this is why it's important for us to recognize God's Word as the way. It's written in Psalm 34, Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Who defines evil? Do I get to define it? Is it my definition? Do I lay out the the, the list of things to do and not do? Do you? Do any of us? Are there any human beings that have been authorized by Almighty God to change the definition of what God calls evil? Anybody? Living in the Word of God and walking in its truth enables us to spiritually navigate in changing times, because right now in the world we have people who are changing definitions. They're changing the truth into a lie, and they're changing lies into the truth. That's what's happening all around us. We see it. We're not blind to it, and yet it keeps happening. How are we to navigate? What I knew growing up as a young man, as a child even, I knew what right was, and I knew what wrong was, and now it's been redefined. How do I navigate that? How do I get through these things whenever everybody, it seems, around me is saying, no, no, you're wrong. That's not right. That's wrong. Or they'll say, no, that's not wrong. That's right. No, I know what the Word of God says. 
And sometimes my memory's not very strong, and I've got to go back and look for the answer. And that's where I find it, right there. It's if God's Word is my foundation, Christ is my foundation. Christ is the living embodiment of God's Word. Christ is my foundation, and He needs to be all of yours. He needs to be where you are founded, where you are grounded, where you are rooted, where you are bound, so that you're not pushed off by some faulty definition, some change that's come across the world. Planting ourselves in God's Word and planting God's Word within us empowers us, folks. It empowers us against the scheming changes of the enemy. No matter what the enemy brings, if we have ourselves rooted in and grounded in the Word of Almighty God, we will stand. And when we've done all else, as the Scripture says, we will stand. In Proverbs 30 and verse 5, it's written, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in Him. Who shields us? Almighty God shields us. He protects us. And this is, if nothing else, a message that gives you that understanding of God's protection over you. Does that mean that you won't get sick? No, it doesn't. I'm living proof. But God has shown me my sin in that as I was fasting and praying through this past week, and He's showing me things. He wants me to rest. I need to rest. I must rest. His Word says to rest. And in that, I've sinned. In Psalm 18, it's written, As for God, His way is perfect. His way is perfect. The Word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in Him. There's that word again, shield. Do you want to be shielded? Who wants to be shielded? Anybody not want to be shielded? Raise your hand. I almost caught you. That was, I don't know, I did that on purpose. He's a shield to all who trust in Him. For who is God except the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. His way is perfect, and He will make my way perfect in His eyes. And how do, how, how does God make our way perfect? But through Christ. Amen? In Psalm 91, we hear this, I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes you shall look and see the reward of the wicked. If you're solidly planted in God's Word, if you are rooted in Christ, He will be your refuge and your fortress, your God. In Him you will put your trust. Surely He shall 
shall is an absolute. It's not a maybe. It's not a might be. It might, it's not a sometimes. It is shall. Absolutely. He shall. Shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And he shall deliver you from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with his feathers. In other words, he's going to embody you. He's going to protect you. And under his wings you shall take refuge. Remember when Christ was looking out over Jerusalem and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you together to myself like a hen gathers her chicks. And why does the hen do that? Because up above there's a hawk, and that hawk's looking for those little babies to snag them up. You shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. You shall not be afraid of the arrow that flies by day. You shall not be afraid of the pestilence that walks in darkness. You shall not be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right side. But it shall not come near you But your eyes, you will look and you will see the reward of the wicked. Does that mean that this life is going to keep you alive forever and ever on this planet? No, it does not. And all the martyrs who have died for Christ could stand upon that verse and say, yes, He is my God. Yes, He is my buckler. Yes, He is my shield. Yes, I will be protected. But that doesn't always mean just in the physical, okay? Because spiritually, ultimately, we are protected spiritually. When we're founded in, when we're rooted in, when we're grounded in the Word of Almighty God. And this year, I believe more maybe perhaps than any other in history since Christ walked this planet, we need to be rooted in God's Word. Because everything is changing and the winds of change are blowing hard, folks. I don't watch the news. I don't care to watch the news. I don't watch television. Every once in a while, we've got this Netflix thing, and we've got a television screen that we can play it on. And every once in a while, I allow myself to look at some of those things, and then I realize why I don't. It doesn't take long. It doesn't take long at all. The other night, it must have been four or five days ago, I did that. I allowed something that was on. It was a drama-type thing. And uh, then I started to see the changing definitions. I started to see the agendas. I started, it was, God opened my eyes. It was not, this wasn't entertainment. This was programming. It was programming all who would subject themselves to it. All who would submit themselves to it. It was programming. And I immediately said, that's enough of this. And that night... As I was praying, the Lord showed me that there was occultic influences in that program. They were trying to put off the occult as just normal. It's all natural. And and God made it absolutely clear to me that that's what's happening on a wide scale. Because what was once known as evil is now being promoted as good. And what was always known as good is now being promoted as evil. The truth is being blasphemed. Years ago, we had a thriving youth group here in this building. 
When Chris and I first came here, we had our three young children. I don't remember their exact ages. If I thought about it, I could come up with it. But we had a youth group. We numbered probably 35, 40 young people. And they ranged from maybe five years old to 15. And we had a few teachers who would come in and and work with us with the youth. And we were teaching them the Word of God. We weren't just teaching them out of a little booklet. We weren't giving them crayons to play with, although from time to time that was a part of the, the lesson. We were teaching them the Word of God. We met every Thursday. We taught them Bible verses. We helped them to memorize a few. And uh, yours truly even delivered a few sermons, which sometimes the kids didn't really care for. But I would teach them out of the Word of God. You know, one of the questions that kids ask very often is about uh, human reproduction. They want to know about human reproduction. I mean, they're not interested in reproducing, okay? They'll ask those questions. Now, I'm not afraid to address those questions. Whenever they asked him, I never was. That was one of the things that you, when I was preaching on the streets in Pittsburgh, the kids would call me, hey, preacher boy, tell me what God says about. And then they'd have some lewd remark to make after that. It never stopped me. Well, this was the same with these kids. We had a lot of teenagers. When, when our group kind of thinned out for a while, we were down to mostly teenagers. As my children aged, so did the group. And uh, the kids would ask questions about human reproduction. And I would tell them, well, this is what God's Word says. God's Word says one man marries one woman, and they have children. Should God bless them with children? That's the way it works. It's about marriage. It's about one man with one woman. And some of the children had already learned from the world that that wasn't the way it was, and they would share their teachings, what they learned. Now, we might have had those kids two hours a week, if we had them two hours a week. Many of them did not attend the services on Sunday morning. Now, I encouraged them to, but their parents weren't a part of this church. And some of the folks that were here weren't very friendly to children. They weren't very friendly to anybody. They were chasing people out of here. And so I started a thing with the kids. I said, now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come on Sunday morning, and when you can come on Sunday morning, I want you to adopt one of the older people. And uh, you go up to them, and you give them a big hug, and you tell them you love them and that you're adopting them for God. And one little girl started to cry. And I said, what's the matter? Why are you crying? She said, I don't want to leave my mom and dad. She she thought I meant I wanted to adopt them and go live with them. (laughs) It's one of those teaching moments for me. I had to be careful how I taught. But the point is... One of the verses that we helped to memorize was Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. And we said that over week after week after week. We wanted them to get that. We wanted them to get the idea that if they put God's word in their heart, they would not sin against him. We hoped they'd become hungry for the word of God, and we thought some of them were. Later, though, we saw that their lives turned. Their lives turned, unfortunately, not in positive ways. Most of them went on into the world and blended in with it. And I remembered doing that myself. I remembered I was evangelizing for Christ, and then I went out into the world, and I became a mess, terrible mess. Some people, when they learned that I was back to preaching, they couldn't believe it. 
because of the mess that I made in my life. So I wasn't going to criticize those children. I was going to try to find a way to get them back. But I've been unsuccessful. Some became pregnant. Others became addicted. And some were even arrested. Kids that were in our youth group that attended here in this building. Some were married and then divorced. Others chose alternative lifestyles that go against God's Word. We had to memorize a few passages of Scripture, but it wasn't enough. We just don't have enough time to give the children a counter to the culture. And that means that everybody's got to be a part of it. Because we can't do it. One or two hours a week is not going to do it, folks. You all have got to do it. And I know some of you are. Those of you who have children, I believe you are. This led me, along with other things, to understand the need for children to be raised inside of the worship services. When I saw how many children, and not just in this building, but in other buildings that house worship services, when I saw how many children went away or were living lives contrary to the Word of God, I realized we need to raise them in the worship service with the adults, that they don't feel like they're being shunned and put off somewhere. And I know I've shared this with you many times before, and I've got to let you know this is my heart, folks, and it's difficult sometimes, but I'm going to share some Scriptures with you that support what I do here, why I do it here, besides the, the, the uh, anecdotal evidence that I've gathered. We recognize the need to teach God's Word to the children. And you know what God's Word says? We're going to get to it. God's Word says that His Word doesn't return to Him void. When they hear the Word of God, it is going into them. It goes into that ear, or as some say, the ear gate. And they even get to see it on the screens if they look at the screen. In Psalm 119, in verse 12, it's written, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. This needs to be all of our prayer, not just for us, but for our children. Teach me thy statutes. In Isaiah chapter 55, it's written, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. And this is why it's important to get the word of the Lord into the hearts of children. Buy yourself an audio Bible. They're not that expensive. And just have it playing in the house. Just have it playing and let the Word of God richly infill and indwell you as well as the children. Instead of having, I've been in houses, I've walked into people's houses, and I haven't lately. Obviously, the last couple of years, I haven't got to visit very many people at all, but I've walked into people's houses and there's a television in every room and it's playing. There's nobody in the room. I'm like, well, who taught people to do this? It's insanity. Now, please don't get mad at me if you do that, okay? I don't know if you do that. Please don't get mad at me. This isn't even in my notes. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking here. In the eighth chapter of Nehemiah, we learn about Ezra. Ezra was a priest and a scribe, okay? And he's reading the book of Moses' teachings, which the Lord had commanded Israel to follow. 
I think it's uh, chapter 8, the first four verses. I don't have any slides for that. I'm just going to paraphrase it, shorten it down a little bit, maybe uh, summarize it. He delivered God's Word to the assembly of men and women. Oh, and the children, too. To all the children that had understanding, <clears throat> they were welcome in the congregation to hear the Word. Now, here's the part that most people maybe might not remember is that he brought the Word of God from daybreak till noon. And you all think my messages are long. No, I know you don't. Actually, people come and tell me and thank me for not just rushing through. I had somebody tell me that. I don't know when it was now. Somebody just told me recently that they appreciated that I didn't just rush through. It's not just a 10-minute, bam, done. Like, where's the meat? Well, as much as I can, folks, I bring the meat of God's Word to bear upon your souls so that when you leave here, you've been filled with His Word. And it doesn't matter to me if you remember every word of it, because it's in you. That's where it works, from within. God will bring it to your remembrance as it's needed. Ezra stood on a raised wooden platform made for this occasion. The first evidence of a pulpit was a raised wooden platform. He was raised up enough so that the people who were in the crowd could see him and hear him. Sometimes people ask us, do you have programs for children? I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. People are looking for a church, they want to bring their family, and they say, do you have programs for children? And I say, yeah, we do. We teach them the Word. We bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, as it's written in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. That's hard for me, because I would love to have some fun thing for children to do. It's difficult for young children, especially, just to sit and attend to the Word. And I understand that, and I don't get upset when they can't. Sometimes I have to be stern, as I did one time as a young man and woman that were here with the baby, and they weren't young, a young child, not a baby, and they weren't keeping the young one under control. One kept getting attention, and I had to sternly say, young man, that's enough. And you know, at lunch that afternoon, he came to me. Actually, I was sitting at their table, and he turned to me and he said, I love you. There's nobody set them straight. Nobody. They want to know where the boundaries are. As children, we need to know where the boundaries are because that's what makes us feel safe. You can talk to any psychologist and they'll tell you that, not just me. I'm not a psychologist. We teach the Scriptures. We will not hide the Scriptures from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. That's written in Psalm 78 and verse 4. I could take and make a message out of the Word of God and not use the references because His Word will do what His Word is set to do. Usually I give the references, though. It's written in Deuteronomy 4.9, only take heed to yourself and diligently keep yourself, lest you forget the things your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life, and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. Who's given the responsibility to teach the children and grandchildren? The parents. The parents are. And we've abdicated our responsibility. And I'm not going to pick on anybody. Please don't get mad at me, but we have abdicated our responsibility. 
We've given our children over to other people to teach them. And what are they teaching them? They're not teaching them the Word of God. They're teaching them everything contrary to the Word of God. And that's why so many of the young people that might grow up in a church, so-called, leave whenever they get old enough to make their own decisions. They haven't been taught the Word of God as much as they've been taught the ways of the world. And that's a shame. That's a terrible shame. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's written, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Who's he speaking with? The adults. The adults. Teach your children. <clears throat> in the 70s, there was a song. I think it was... Uh, and it was a secular song, and then some uh, folks who were, back then we were called Jesus Freaks, when uh, they transformed it into a Christian song. Teach your children. Teach your, teach your children well, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. He's telling us for God's Word to dominate our lives. And sadly, folks, I can admit that my life has not been dominated previously when I wasn't serving God. It was not dominated by His Word. Oh, I read His Word, but I didn't preach it to my children. I would read it to them, but it didn't dominate. In Deuteronomy 31 and verse 12, it's written, gather the people together, men and women and, anybody? Children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. In other words, this, the majority of what is written in this book is what he was referring to right there. Teach your children. Teach everyone. Even the stranger. You get somebody who wanders into town, teach them. They need to learn. In Proverbs chapter 2, it's written, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. Who gives wisdom? The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. His mouth pro projects what? His Word. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk upright. Haven't we heard that before? He's a shield. He's a shield. He's a shield. He guards the paths of justice and preserves the way of His saints. And we could say that applies whether we're in good times or in bad times, whether we're in changing times or stable times. He preserves the way of His saints. Who preserves the way of His saints? Almighty God. Almighty God 
preserves the way of His saints. He preserves. Think about that. Have any of you ever put up jelly? Have you ever preserved any food at all? Yeah. So what happens? Does it rot away? If it isn't done right. But do you think God's going to make a mistake when He's preserving the way of His saints? No way. He's going to keep you in His care. In these changing times, each of us must be prepared to follow where God leads us in His Word. After all, when everything's changing as quickly as one day changes to the next, we need to have a firm foundation, folks. We need to be firmly founded upon the Word of God. And this is why I believe the hymns that we sang this morning, even though we did them imperfectly, they were relevant to the message today. We need to be firmly rooted in God's Word. It's written in Psalm 119 and verse 89, Forever, O Lord, Your Word is settled in heaven. For how long? Forever. God's Word is settled forever. It's done. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter if somebody says it's fluid. It doesn't matter if somebody says, oh, that was for them, but that isn't for now. It is forever. God says so. doesn't matter what I think. doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what He thinks. It matters what He says. It matters what He has firmly established from time before till time forever. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105 is where that's found. And a young man by the name of Matt Redman made a song about that passage of Scripture. I don't remember it all. We used to sing it with the children. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Powerful. God's word is the light that leads us even in the darkness of changing times. The word of God is living and powerful, it's written in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. Piercing, sharper, living, powerful, active, one passage, or one uh, translation says. It's piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Don't think that you're getting away with anything with God, folks. It's not how it works. He knows everything. I don't, and I don't want to. I, I knew a fellow one time, he was Native American. He worked at the Indian Center down there at, uh, it was the Council of Three Rivers, uh, American Indian Center down there in Dorseyville. And I used to volunteer time to help cut the grass. There were a number of Christians that volunteered there. And we would have some really good prayer meetings on that ground. It's the highest ground in Allegheny County, as I recall. It used to be a missile silo place. They've still got the, the things where the missiles were. But anyway, that's a side note. And that fella, he's gone on to his eternal rewards. He said one time to me, John, I don't know everything, but I want to. I used to think, yeah, that's a pretty neat saying. You know, I don't know everything, but I want to. In other words, I'm willing to learn. But then I realized when I started to learn some things that I didn't want to know, I don't want to know everything. 
All I want to know is what God has for my path, for me to live my life fully for Him. And that's what I want for all of you. I want you to know everything that God has for your life. And yes, He has blessings upon blessings upon blessings, and I want you to have those blessings. But you can't overlook the fact that he says, if you live outside of those parameters that he sets up in his word, that he also has curses. And they'll come upon you if you live contrary to his word for any extended period of time. There is grace with God. He does forgive us when we turn to him. Thank God for his grace, his amazing grace. It's written in Psalm 119 in verse 152, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them for a time, what's it say? Forever. You have founded them forever. God's Word doesn't change. It goes on forever. Well, how does anybody say that His Word is fluid? How do these demonic nations that are changing the Word of God to suit themselves think that they're going to get away with that? I don't understand, and I refuse. It's just not comprehensible to me. It's written in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it that men should fear before Him. And then in Luke chapter 21, we hear this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. We need to memorize that. What passes away? Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word is never not going to pass away. And like Christ, we could suffer for our obedience. No doubt about that. In fact, He tells us so. Remember what's written in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I remember when I got choked. Who do you think you are? I don't think of anybody. I don't think of anybody. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. This is Christ speaking. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yes, when we line up with the Word of God, we may be persecuted. And there's people that say, well, you know, Pastor, it's really hard. You know, I'm in my job, and I don't want to lose my job. And, you know, if I just do what they say, I'll be all right. I'm not going to tell you to quit your job. But I am going to tell you to pay attention to the Word of God. And if the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, guides you away from that job, then find yourself another one. Because you can't compromise on the Word of God and not have consequences in your own life. In John chapter 15, it's written, if the world hates you, what? If the world hates you, there's a recruitment message for Christianity, right? Yeah, you get them out there evangelizing. Yeah, the world's going to hate you. I don't get them coming in droves. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. In other words, you're not of the world. And there's a passage of Scripture. When I see people that are loved by everyone, I, beware when everybody loves you, I believe the Scripture says. It might be my paraphrase. I don't remember exactly. It didn't come to me when I was putting the notes together. 
Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they might also, they could also, no, what's that word? Will, will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. When you're persecuted, it doesn't matter if it's by people who call themselves Christians, and I have been. It's because they do not know the one that sent Jesus Christ. And that's a fact. His word is true. Theirs is a lie. We need to be rooted in God's Word to comprehend that we are, in fact, walking on His path. And then we find in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore we do not lose heart. Do you hear the hope there? We're not losing heart. Well, because we're persecuted? That's going to take us out of Christ? No. It did for me when I was a teenager, unfortunately, but thanks be to God, by His grace I came back, even though for our outward, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, now, Paul was writing this, light affliction, he was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was beaten, and he calls that light affliction? I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't been stoned and thought dead and tossed out of town like a corpse. I haven't been in these places that he was, and he calls it light affliction. Who do I think I am saying it's anything more than that? Which is but for a moment. In other words, our lives are just a whisper, folks. It's just for a moment. It doesn't matter how long we have to suffer for Christ, if we do. Because if we live by the Word of God, we are, in these changing times, going to be confronted by people who do not want us to live by the Word of God. And that's just the truth of it. But this light affliction is, but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We need to keep our focus right. How do we get our focus, folks? Is it here? Or is it through one of those things? It needs to be here. Our focus in changing times needs to be here, folks. It needs to be there all the time. In Matthew chapter 10, in verse 22, our Lord said, And you will be hated for all excuse me, by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end, and here's the hope, will be saved. He who endures to the end will be saved. He who endures to the end will be saved. Say that with me. He who endures to the end will be saved. In Hebrews chapter 3, it's written, for we have become partakers of Christ if We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And I'm not going to stretch that out except to say that those who followed Moses out of Egypt, they rebelled against God, and they fell. They never made it to the promised land. He says, if you, if, if you have become partakers of Christ, if you hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast to the end... Now I'll wrap this up, and I'm going to use the second part of the passage that I began with, because it's relevant. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth, Lord. 
I've rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies, Lord, as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts, which have respect unto thy ways, Lord. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. And I'll remind you of what's written in Job chapter 22. Now acquaint yourself with him. This is an instruction to all, and be at peace. Thereby goodwill come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth, and lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be built up. You will remove iniquity far from your tents. And that tents there could be your bodies, it could be your houses, your dwelling places. If you return to the Almighty, if then you'll be built up. Then you'll remove iniquity far from your tents. Only by living in the Word of God and walking in His truth can any of us spiritually navigate changing times. If we stand firmly planted in God's Word, we will not fall for the schemes of the enemy. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lead us into Your Word and out of temptation. I have given them Your Word, Lord. The Word hates us because we are not of the world. I do not pray that You should take us out of the world, but that You should keep us from the evil one. Deliver us from evil, Father. For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. Amen.